Hello all and welcome to episode 4 of Two Sykes in Nikes. In this episode, Larry will tell us about the time he bought some copyright and video footage of the late Marilyn Monroe at an auction in LA and then he kind of struggled to sell it. I talk about Herman Meyer, a childhood hero for me and an absolute ski legend but there's an interesting story about him so stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed the episode and if you do, share and hit our reviews on Apple Podcasts and we also have a YouTube channel now so check that out. Just search YouTube for Two Sykes and Nikes. So here comes episode four. Enjoy. Hello all and welcome to episode four of Two Sykes and Nikes. I'm Jody, And I'm Larry. And we hope everyone is safe and healthy and well. It's still a mad time. Um, every day you're seeing new statistics, new numbers, new countries involved. It's pretty, it, if you haven't got uh, kind of your wits about you, it's a bloody scary time. And we just hope that you're getting through it. And maybe you're even managing to to learn some new things. Maybe you're even kind of in some crazy way, you're benefiting from it all. So I just want to say that we're geographically distant from from friends and family, which although we can't see them, even if we were at home, you do feel that even if you're around the corner from them and you're in your own house, at least you feel like there's some sort of support. So we're a bit isolated uh, already where we live, where, where we've been just for the last few months. But yeah, we're, we're, we're okay anyway. Are you, are, you, are you doing all right, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The last few days have been doing particularly good. Um, I feel like uh, it's just like, it's nice to get engrossed into things. Like I watched the Diego Maradona documentary and um, there was a moment where I, I realised that I felt like I was back like to normal again so that it's really nice to get those breaks where you're not thinking about the the c word yeah so yeah i'm doing pretty good last few days have been really good like i have college going at the moment so i'm doing my college online i actually have that later today for five hours online and between say college and doing my homework for college and say watching that type of diego maradona documentary those type of things and reading books they're real uh, important things for me just to help me kind of uh just get engrossed in something and and I, I just feel really good after doing that when i when i'm and it also involves me sometimes putting my technology down in the basement in the car and i'm really being present and focused on what i'm doing then i really can ex- physically escape really yeah, well, they, i suppose these are things that you're in control of whereas the virus, there's nothing we can really do about that. You have to just kind of learn to live with it and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. But what you are in control of is things you can change, which is information you're taking in, news you're taking in. It's interesting that you brought this up because only this morning I just put out a post on Instagram about this. I was I was eating me porridge a few, a few minutes ago. Eating your and, own. Uh, I was, I was lovely. Yeah, berries, uh, raspberries, blueberries. Went for it, went for it. Uh, uh, organic porridge come on like so it was delicious so i was reading a magazine monocle it's a magazine i've been reading for probably 10 years and it just got me thinking of the news that we're taking in like the where we get our information from i think is really important at the moment like i've always found it important but at the moment it's vital a lot of people have a very narrow 
stream of where they're getting their information from. And that's okay under normal circumstances. You can get away with it. But I would say if you're reading certain newspapers and if you're getting your news from the state news or from the, the television station you have or whatever, you're getting one side of it and, and that's that's all right. But really, it, it, the power comes from knowledge and from the more information we have, the better choices we can make. So I just think that try and like download an app, just loads of free apps. Like I, Associated Press is a neutral news um, channel and like Reuters would be another one. And these are two that are not really affiliated with, I don't think so anyway. And, you know, you've got Sky News, BBC and all also do great, great work, but try and dip in and out of different things. Uh, like the Atlantic magazine, like I downloaded that on um, McKindle. It's really good writing and it's reputable. Time magazine, the last two Time magazines have been all about the coronavirus in detail. You know, you can you can agree or disagree with the articles, but the more stuff we know about, not just that, but about the world in general, mm. I just feel that we'll make better decisions. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Claire? Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I suppose what I've been doing is like my two main news sources that I go to every day is uh, the Irish Independent newspaper and BBC News. So I'll go to either of those throughout the day. But what I do do when I'm going, especially through the Independent newspaper, the Irish Independent, I I will uh, scan through the page and identify what's an opinion piece and what's a more factual piece. Because you, there's lots of opinion pieces where it's someone's opinion kind of based on some factual information they may have heard. And I'm like, well, do, do I really need to read 10 different people's opinions on things? Or right now, do I just want to get an update on the facts? Uh, and, and yeah, so I'm careful with what I, what I uh, read because like, I just don't want to be reading stuff just for the sake of it then when really I only needed possibly to read one paragraph and then I actually had, like say our Taoiseach gave a speech last night and he mentioned that there's three new uh, restrictions coming in place and he, he lists them off and I read them and I'm like, okay, now I know what the three restrictions are. Do I then need to read three different articles from some journalists who's given me their opinion on the three restrictions? You know, I can form my own opinion. Don't get me wrong, I might read those opinion pieces just because I feel like it. But it's it's like a mm, it's different, isn't it? It's like what it's difference between reading a car manual to try fix your car and reading a car manual about because you find it a bit interesting. Yeah. You know? yeah. So what, what yeah. Yeah, no, I totally understand. And um I would feel that uh, getting your, well, like social media is good. Like I'm on Twitter and, you know, I, I check it maybe, but I check it twice a day. At the moment, maybe twice a day, usually once a day, 10 minutes. What's social media? Yeah, Twitter. Or t- just specifically Twitter? Yeah, um, I'd be on Instagram maybe a bit more because um, we have a couple of different accounts and I like the visuals, like I enjoy that side of things. And you can only dedicate so much time to social media. So I've kind of said to myself, well, look, pick a route. And I, I picked Instagram for a long time. I wasn't, I wasn't on social media for years. I don't have a smartphone that long. I'm not on Facebook for a long time. Uh, funny enough, 
I joined Facebook in 2007, I think it was, or six even. It was only like, I'd say it was only a few months yeah. on the go and I lived away. But anyway, I, I canceled a few years later. I, I wasn't into it. But I'm just saying, when you're fed your news, when your news is coming to you, mm. you don't have anything to do. Like you, It's coming to you, you, you ingest it. And that's it. But that's what everyone is getting. That's the news that everyone is getting. It doesn't mean that it's balanced. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily 100% accurate. It doesn't mean it's false either. But I'm just saying sometimes to go and look is maybe a bit more beneficial than just having a fed. Yeah, mm, Yeah. no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Kind of taking some personal responsibility to exactly. the information you're taking in and not just being a little bit lazy about it. Lazy about it. And sometimes it costs. I mean, um, I think there's a certain perception now that information and learning and knowledge should be free now because like, you've got all these resources online and you've got all these applications and you've got websites. But for me, I still believe in paying for good journalism and mm. for good reporting. Um, a subscription to The Atlantic there on, on is, I think it was about $20 for a year. Uh, like obviously advertising and stuff is helping subsidize that but i think that's a very fair cost if i'm willing to buy a pizza for 20 quid or if i'm willing to have two coffees and two slices of cakes for 20 quid and then i'm i'm willing to invest in that so i i think free is great and, and we should look at all those but also you might have to pay a few quid every month uh to buy a magazine a physical magazine i think or to subscribe to a digital, you, you know. So uh, yeah. that's just my little thing. But um, I, I'd like to find out more about this week's topic from Gary because he gave me two sentences and it sounded uh, fascinating because I don't know really much about the person um, and I don't really know much about the product per se. So I might actually say about this one. So, Lair, hit us. What, what's going down? This week I'm going to talk about some a piece that I purchased back, oh, I must have been like, six seven years ago now um yeah about probably six years ago what i did was um there was an auction happening in the states and uh, it was actually an auction house called tony hill auctions and i got wind that they had some interesting pieces from marilyn monroe now uh, marilyn monroe is an actress as you know i specialize in music memorabilia but because I would primarily sell pieces through auction houses in the states, so I would be aware of me of movie memorabilia. So it had, you know, it have a a good kind of grasp of the value of movie memorabilia, and yeah. But it's not my area of expertise, and I don't deal in it. I don't buy and sell movie memorabilia. I don't okay. now, and I didn't back then. This auction had a a lot, and what it was was unreleased footage of Marilyn Monroe, uh, colour footage, from the last movie she ever made called The Misfits. And this footage came with the copyrights uh, to the footage. And it was like, I think I already mentioned, it was like 50 minutes long. So it was a good chunk of footage. And the footage had previously sold at an auction in LA uh, for, I don't know, around $60,000. So a couple of, so originally sold in, in one auction. It was the first time it was ever sold in Beverly Hills and it sold for 60K. And then a couple of years later, it, it popped up in this other auction house. So whoever bought it at the previous auction was now selling it. But the estimate on it was only like ten to $20,000. So I thought, well, 
if it's all for 60 grand before and I can get it for between 10 and 20, there might be some money to be made from that. Plus, for me, like sometimes it's appealing to kind of go for something that's really well, kind of unusual, you know. So I had never owned the copyrights to anything. And then it was to do with Marilyn Monroe, one of the most iconic female actresses in the world. Yeah. I had the copyrights, the money, potentially I could make a nice chunk of money out of it. And then it was just that builds up. I get excited about those kind of details, you know. Especially the fact that it was the last movie she did. Before and the last movie, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it outtakes or behind the scenes or what was it? Yeah, it was behind the scenes. What it was, it was this guy who was, they call it, he was a, a bit, I think it's called, he had a bit part. So he was just like somebody in the background, you yeah. know, he'd walk past in the background, you know. Yeah. And he, while he was on set, with Marilyn Monroe and all the other actors. Uh, he had a little, uh, not one of those old-fashioned cameras. Yeah. Cameras, and eight did, mil, I think. What, uh, yeah, exactly. He was eight mil. So he shot a load of footage, not only behind the scenes, like of Marilyn Monroe getting her makeup done and getting, you know, putting on her costumes, but he also filmed the actors and actresses while they were actually shooting the movie, you know. So he'd be just standing at the side. So it's not only behind the scenes footage, it's also kind of footage of the movie being made, but from a different angle than the official camera, you know? Could it be used in documentaries or something? Like, what? I wonder what you would actually ever do with this footage. Like, is, it, is it worth anything to anyone like other than just a memorabilia, yeah. you know? Well, what had happened, right? The auction happened and I was, I was, I was quite determined to buy it. And I ended up bidding on the auction over the phone in the States and uh, I was over in Ireland at the time and uh, I won the auction uh, and it, it cost me around 20, I think it was $22,000 to buy the, the, the So just the, over, just over the kind of access to me, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, so then immediately after buying the, the footage, I, I just thought to myself, what the hell am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? I just thought I'll figure I'll figure that out later, and I, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I'll buy a lot of things, not knowing what I'm going to do with them, and I say to myself, I'll, "It feels like the right thing to do." I, I trust that I'll figure it out later. I'll figure it out, yeah. Uh, and was it a physical? Like, did you actually yeah. get like a physical box, or was it just a kind of the right store? Or did you actually get a product? Like, yeah, it was actually two. Um, Two tins full with eight millimeter reels. Right. But also came with DVDs. So somebody had already converted the yeah. eight millimeter over to DVD. So, yeah. and also came with the copyrights. Uh, so basically, what the copyrights are is somebody has the footage and they, they contact the American Copyright Office. So I don't think that's the official name, but they contact the American Copyright Offices and they kind of they claim ownership to the footage. Yeah. And it's registered on a database. Right. So I had to do that when I bought the footage. I had to contact uh, the copyright office and register and do a transfer of ownership. Now, like if you go through the American Copyright Archives, my name is down as one of the owners of this Marilyn Monroe footage, um, or my company's name. So anyhow, I, I got the footage, uh, got it shipped over, and... Then I think it was a couple of years later, I thought, you know, I'm going to try. See, I, I couldn't sell it too soon after the auction. Yeah. 
Yeah, you need to give it that gap, of course, yeah. to add value, kind of. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need to let the dust settle. So, so with the next time it goes for sale, it's kind of fresh to market. That's what they call it. Yeah. So I let a good few years pass, and I sent it to Beverly Hills. I sent it to the original auction house it was sold in originally for 60 grand. And they tried to sell it, and it didn't sell. Then I sent it to some other place, some auction house in Los Angeles. They tried to sell it. It didn't sell. And then I tried to sell it to someone else, and it was like flogging the blue. It's like flogging a dead horse, man. It was nobody was interested. Now, in how it. does that feel? If now, obviously, you still have a product, and at some stage, but is that a bit of a struggle, like psychologically or mentally, to your to your self esteem or your self worth? If you think I'm after taking a go on this, I believe it, but nobody wants it now. Are you are you cool? Are you okay with that kind of? Yeah, no, I'm, I can handle that kind of thing. Primarily, it's just like I'm after tying up 22 grand in this yeah. product. Yeah. And I, at a minimum, I need to get my money back out of it. I don't, I don't care if I make a profit now. I just want my money back or something close to, you know, like 18 grand will be like, yeah, it's not too bad. That's not too bad. So, yeah, so I got the footage back and I was like, I'm after flogging it around to everybody and I've kind of used all the obvious, what's obvious for me, I've used all, went down all the obvious avenues. So I was like, okay, um, okay, lesson learned, do not buy any movie memorabilia. Only only buy items that I'm an, I have expertise, knowledge on. And that's what your advice was telling you at the start of all this journey and yeah, yeah. now you're repeating it to yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this is cool. So then, I don't know, a while later, I was at an auction in Ireland, in Dublin City. And I was sitting beside this guy, and we got chatting. And his voice sounded familiar. I said to him, I said, your voice sounds familiar. Do we know each other? And he said, um, he, do you know who he was? Do you remember back in the day, there was a guy in the radio. He's called the Eye in the Sky. Yeah. And it was a helicopter that flew around Dublin yeah. and gave reports. God, what was it reporting on the weather? <laughs> the traffic, I thought. Traffic, was it? Yeah. yeah. We weren't going to open a helicopter to check to the look weather. look at the weather, because that would be a waste of a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was the eye in the sky. That's why I recognised his voice. So we got chatting and he was very, um, very charismatic. A really charismatic guy. And he knew lots of people. And he actually knew some of the people I know in LA and Beverly Hills. He had met them. So I was like, okay, this guy seems to be connected. Like He told me, he said, the only reason I'm here today is because I'm after one item. You know, he told me what it was. But he, he couldn't stick around for, that, for the whole auction. So he had left a bid on the auction, uh, on, the, on some autographed album he wanted. He left the bid and he left. And I said goodbye, nice to meet you. And we exchanged our details. I thought to myself, I had a feeling that I, I might need to connect with this guy. So I bid on the thing that he wanted, and I won the lot. Mm. So he would have got an email saying, oh, very sorry, you didn't win the lot. Better look next time. But he, what he didn't know was that I bought him, and I bought it, and my intention was to gift it to him, give it to him as a gift. Really? That's, that's, that, oh, well, that's amazing, yeah. right? So that's what I did. I dropped it into him. I was just following my gut instinct. So I dropped it into him. And then at some later stage, we, I got chatting with him about this Marilyn Monroe footage. And I was kind of like, I was really coming 
to the realization that I think I might, I might be stuck with this footage, you know. Some people, two people had got in touch with me over the years looking to use it for a documentary, but the value was in the footage having not ever been published. So they'd have to pay me a lot of money because if they just use a bit of it, like, um, then it's, it's kind of published, like, so it loses its value. And if they were just going to pay me two grand for that, which that's all they wanted to pay was one or two grand for a bit of the footage. I was like, no, no way am I taking two grand, like, you know, after spending 22 grand on it. So people had wanted to use the footage, but I, I, I said, no, it's not going to, yeah, it's, it doesn't work financially. So anyhow, back to this guy, I mentioned it to him. I said, look, I have this Marilyn Monroe footage and I, 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 I'm having trouble selling it. He said, uh, I kind of, he said, your name is on, on my desk here. And I feel like I owe you a favor because you got me that. <laughs> that oh, day. look at you. So I'm putting you, I'll put you in touch with this guy. Who, who, who was like a director or something like that. He, he knew, he might, he might not know something about how to go about selling this footage. He emailed the guy and CC'd me, the, me in the email. And I was like, grand, I might, I might get some help here. And the guy basically emailed back just saying, uh, no, sorry, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can do with that footage. I haven't got it. Oh, yeah, you, you were finished, you're finished. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh, no. I thought that might have got me, got me somewhere. After that happening, I remember that I had got in touch with this guy who was a, a kind of a bit of a collector. It was a guy in the UK who had, won, who had won the lottery. I had literally just got in touch with him directly. I sent him a, an email. I found his email address somehow and I introduced myself and I told him what I do. I deal in high-end music memorabilia. And he, he bought a couple of things off me. So I thought, Maybe that guy might be interested, this lottery winner guy might be interested in buying this Marilyn Monroe footage. Yeah. And it was like the last ditch idea I had was this is it. And the, I, I, the only reason I thought of him was because I got nowhere with the lead that your man gave me. So that yeah. was that that was over. They buying the signed album and gifting it to him and him. Well done. It, it, it didn't work out, but it led me, it directly led me to thinking maybe we can sell it to the lottery winner. So I got, I just thought, okay. And I literally just banged up an email saying, look, I have this unseen Marilyn Monroe footage and it, it's 50 minutes long. So there's enough material there to be able to make a documentary and um, it could make for a very interesting uh, project. I really sold it to him. And uh, he got back to me and he was like, how much... How much are you looking for the footage? So I was like, oh, he's, he's interested, he's interested. Mm. And I have to be very careful because you don't want to ask, you don't want to shoot for the stars because it's not as if I have another 10 people lined up behind them. But at the same time, you in an ideal world, I want to make some profit. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to hit the sweet spot where I'm making some profit, but I'm not risking not getting a sale. I told them how much I wanted and uh, we negotiated a bit. and he. Within like 24 hours, I had the money in my bank account and shipped the footage over to this guy in the UK. And I, I managed to sell the footage like five years after, six so years. So smooth. And it worked out like really nice and easy in the end, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Very simple. And um, I ended up making about like uh, 50% profit on it. 
so I was like absolutely over the moon. I was like, I can't believe I'm after selling the footage and I made a profit. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe that I made a profit on it because I had tried so many times to sell it. Yeah, so that that's my story about the first uh, person that that well we don't know if it was the obviously it wasn't the first person but the original when you talk about when it was sold first at auction for sixty mm-hmm. uh, in Beverly Hills that person took a major hit of of nearly forty k it's like I suppose well yeah. I suppose some people buy a new car and like there's a lot of new cars that are a hundred grand and you know I suppose the next day after you're driving it out it's fifty grand so there's fifty k going down the twenty so I suppose. It's if people have it and they can enjoy the, the process of their stuff coming and going, it's, it's deadly. Ah, oh, brilliant. I'm delighted it worked out for you. Yeah, me too. What like, happened? I wonder what happened in the end. Did anything ever come of it? No, I haven't seen any. I haven't heard or seen anything about it. Actually, just getting back to the owning the copyright, it was a pain in the ass because some people had, had got hold of bits of the footage. I don't know how. Not from me, but previously and they had put it up on youtube and i had was constantly not constantly but put i had to put a good bit of effort to getting in touch with people on youtube and going through youtube to claim copyright ownership of the footage and getting people to take down the footage and and some people were very resistant to taking it down even though i owned the copyright so that was a headache Estates and corporations probably have someone full time to do all that, wouldn't they? Like, I mean, if you have a big estate with a lot of like creative uh, projects that were part of your life, I'm sure they must have people full time on this. Oh one. yeah, they pay people, yeah, because it's 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 worth paying them to do that. That's a whole other area that I wouldn't mind discussing at some stage as well as like musicians, playwrights, um, authors, like all all these people that society and culture really need badly. But yeah. So many times they get they get kind of run over with their with with corporations and with like legalities where they lose all their stuff. Like you look at Prince, you look at um like he, he, that just jumped to me while I was thinking about it the other day. But there's there's it's littered with people getting you know their what their creative content is is taken from them and like they've they've given it to the world. It really that's a real tough one. That's a tough bill to swallow for me. Mm. Oh yeah, very tough build to, sw- to swallow. Yeah. So um, for for me this week, I um I wanted to talk about another kind of last week we we, we met, the last episode we talked a bit about flow. We brushed on that. Actually, I want to just say about last week, a lot of people, excuse me, found the video, um, but it was uh, of climb dance, but it's only about five or six minutes on on YouTube. I said, I said eleven minutes. What I meant was. The, the, the winning time, what he drove from start to finish was 11 minutes. I was the, looking for 11-minute video as well. Okay, well, there you go. See, this will tell you how little we, we discuss over here. A few, I did have contact from a couple of people saying, where's the longer version? But he, <laughs> his winning time was, say, 10 minutes, 40-odd seconds. And that was just because why what, what I wanted to give that time was to say that for nearly 11 minutes, he needed 100% focus. Mm. And that's what I was trying to get across. So I didn't mean the length of the, doc- the documentary is only a couple of minutes, but because they, they, they kind of highlighted it. But that was just something I wanted. So this week, you, you hear all this, in, especially in sports psychology or performance psychology, uh, mental toughness and, you know, resilience and mm-hmm. 
bounce back ability, all these terms that are usually with very successful people. And um, I just wanted to talk about somebody that I grew up with. It's kind of a strange person that I would have looked up to in the sporting world because where I'm from and wouldn't be inner city Dublin, but it would be, what would it be, South City Dublin or something like so. Yeah. A, a nation that wouldn't be famous for snow sports, let's put it that way. Um, and one of my one of my idols was Herman Meyer. Now, he's a skier from Austria, downhill, super giant and giant slalom. So he had a, quite a, a wide range of skill set and an amazing like athlete and you know, was told as a, as a kid, wouldn't really ever get anywhere. didn't have the physique and stuff, mm-hmm. but he, he worked on it. And um, there's, there's a famous crash that he had in 1998. It was the Olympic Games in Japan yeah. in Nagano. And it's an amazing look and crash. It was such a spectacle. I actually remember it live. As it was happening, I thought, oh, this is like, I think it was the first race of his three. Mm that he was going to be in and when I saw it happen I thought he won't he won't be he won't be in any of them right but anyway you should look it up Herman Meyer and Nagano 1998 crash I'm sure it's something like that on YouTube anyway he he was able to get himself together and in a few days he won gold um it was amazing because you know people people fight through injury all the time in sport and they fight through um, even psychological problems now, which all these things, I'm not, I'm not advocating that if you're injured and it's going to be detrimental that you just go out and perform because I think that's actually, that's not the way to do it. But if it's an, if it's a crash or you hear it all the time with motorsport or, but this was, this was just so, it was such an extravagant accident, you know, and for him to come back and win gold and he won, he, he won two in that Olympics. Um, two gold medals. Yeah. Wow! After this, and was then, he was he injured from the first? Uh... He he said he wasn't really. He was just shook. Um, he landed upside down. It looked very awkward. He went over the crash net and it looked terrible. It looked awful. Mm. But sometimes the ones that look, they're trained. Yeah. They're trained how to have an accident as well. Are like they're um, a lot of people tense up the body when they crash mm. or they they. Well, I think you're supposed to stay a bit limp when yeah, yeah. you have a ski. Yes. Let, let all the tendons and let, let everything try and be loose. So um, I was, we lived in Banff National Park for a year in 2006. We went in Lake Louise is a very well-known kind of nature spot there. It's a couple of miles from Banff uh, town. What, what country is that? Canada. Canada. In the, in the Canadian Rockies in Alberta. So big, big oil state. Um, quite barren in places and then very mountainous would have a lot of beautiful wildlife it's the most spectacular place i've ever seen it's magnificent but um we lived there to and i was working as a ski technician uh, setting up rental skis uh, ice skates and stuff actually a lovely tie-in let's get this in the hotel i was working under this beautiful hotel called banff springs and Marilyn Monroe would have been a frequent visitor to this hotel. I think she actually visited it when she was, she was going out with a very well-known actor, I think, for a while. Um, and I think they would have stayed there. And there's, pic- there's actually photos in the foyer and stuff. So that was just a, it's where we had this started, you know, but I was working there. So anyway, in November, one of the earliest races in the season is the downhill in Lake Louise. But I thought, I, 
I've been looking at all these races since a kid on on the telly on Ski Sunday and all in Eurosport, Kitzbühel, Vingen, all these places. And when you look at the bottom, the crowds like this, you'll never get a ticket. So I was walking down Banff Avenue, the main street, mm-hmm. and I saw a little A-frame and it said, uh, get tickets for, for the downhill race at the weekend. And I thought, oh, what an amazing experience, I wonder. So it was like a little tourist information office and I just went in and I was like, yeah, what, what way would it work? Is, is there anything available? Yeah. I said, yeah, how many do you want? And I said, oh, uh, well, I don't know yet. Like, it, it, there's another couple that we pal with, so would there be four? And she just gave me four tickets. And, and I thought, oh, are these actual tickets for the event or is this just, are these just pieces of paper to allow me to get tickets or what? <laughs> so, so I walked out with four tickets and she said, if there's anyone else that wants to go, will you please send them my way? And I thought, okay, this is very peculiar. So I went home and I, I, I told the, the other three and we were all, like it was me and my girlfriend and, uh, and another couple. So, yeah. We ended up, three of us went uh, on the day. It was about minus 25, I'd say. It was... Minus 25? Yeah, it was, uh, at least. Like, this is what Banff is. I, I was, yeah. We've been in minus 40 there, and, so and this pain, is not worth it. Painfully cold, like... Painfully cold, like nostril hair giving you trouble. Yeah. Eyelashes, like, kind of freezing together. Um, yeah. My beard, I, just pure ice, like... And this is just going to work in the morning, like... What would happen with your nostril hair? When you breathe in... Yeah, you would you would be aware of it. It would be almost like oh yeah yeah. It was matted if you get me. <laughs> <laughs> so it should be doing filtering, but I suppose yeah, it's something else going on. Yeah. yeah. So I had to wear like every morning when I was going to to work, I was in at six some mornings to open up the ski shop because people would be in early for renting equipment, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd, I'd have long johns on. Uh, gloves there's elks and deer and stuff in the town like there's bears just outside the town but anyway we went to the race and we were standing in at the bottom where everyone congregates and we were there about two hours early because we thought to be thousands of people at this race so we got to the race and like we were we were standing they were like going into the stand there so we were standing up on the on the steps quite close to the finish and we were drinking hot chocolate and having the crack and all and then so Herman Moore came down. I think he finished sixth, if, if memory serves me. Bodie Miller, maybe fourth, another very famous skier. Mm-hmm. All the people that I was like, can't believe this. Like, so yeah, yeah. there was a little gap in the, in the railings. And it, it looked like there was somebody standing there, but it was very, it was very open. And yeah, yeah. that person, I noticed, had kind of disappeared. So I said to the other two, should we just walk in? Like, it seems like that's where the racers are coming through. Yeah. And, uh, so... I just said, "Come on, look! I'm not. I'm not really like that. I'm not. I'm not that chancy. I'm not really." But yeah, I, walked, yeah. I walked in because, in the hopes, and Jesus, there was Herman Meyer standing there with, after putting his jacket on over his little onesie, and he had his his ski boots on his shoulders. And I remember thinking, oh, "I gotta go for this." Like, so he was walking past sixth place. Wouldn't have been brilliant. To, I'd say he was a bit peeved. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this was two years before he retired. He still had a few good results after this, but uh, this was getting later on in his career. But I remember distinctly, I took his his hip and I kind of pulled him close. He was probably a bit shorter than me. <laughs> yeah. I remember holding him and I said to I said to my, my girlfriend, stand on the other side there and we get a picture of Herman. And I, I could feel a slight reluctance, but I was yeah. I was in the moment. 
and the girl our mate took the camera but it was a bit of a complex thing and she was trying to and she was like this isn't taking and i could feel him and i felt him kind of torn to and I actually remember squeezing him tight like against. We're not going anywhere. I squeeze, and he, and he, and so there was this slight tussle of, <laughs> and, and she got the shot, and the shot yeah. was brilliant because I'm as happy as can be of a big, a huge smile, and Herman's he's doing his best. Um, so anyway, he, he, that was just a little story about this athlete that is is well worth a look, and he has a book. Uh, I think the race of my life. It was a German book. That was, that was translated into and I had only gotten the book actually it was only translated to English in 2006 mm-hmm. and my girlfriend had given it to me only before a few weeks before this race so I was he was kind of in oh, he's very present in your mind yeah in yeah. 2001 actually there he had a motorcycle accident mm. and he almost lost uh, the lower half of, of his leg wow and he actually he was lucky to survive with the amount of blood loss and then when, when he was going to make it through, they were going to amputate. And he kind of, he didn't want it to happen. So there was, there was a lot of back and forth. And mm. he kept, but for about a year and a half, I think, he had to, he had to recoup. And, that, and he came back, right? And in 2004, he won the overall uh, globe, which was to say that like, he had the most consistent season. So it would be like winning the, 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 like top, a, the like, like a league, is it? Like the finishing the league. top of the league. And mm. this was after this incident. Now, like, ski racers are margins, the yeah. finest of margins. Like you're talking, you know, you, you do it downhill in a minute and a half and somebody might win it by 0.1, 0.2 mm. a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to have a dodgy... To have that injury, like... Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's a man mountain, but... Um, yeah, but th- this is a guy that, if you think about mental toughness or injury mm. toughness or mm. even discipline, like to get to the top of an Austrian ski team, those guys are churning out incredible athletes. Like, so, oh, yeah. You know, Austria just has such a history of... So that was, yeah, that was, that was my little claim to fame. Um, yeah, I loved living in Canada, but that was, that was, that was like a little extra, little like amazing. Yeah, that, yeah. that moment where you spot an opportunity and you're like, especially if you're not... Because some people are a bit more like okay with doing those type of things yeah but if you're not so uh, comfortable with it you spot the opportunity you're like does this resist oh i don't know will i will i and like it's probably the only ever chance you'll get and you yeah, went this was i didn't want to invade this but i'd be very conscious about invading someone's space or being mm. being an irritant i, I, I would try yeah. never to be that but something yeah. said like, come on man you're having a good day you're drinking hot chocolate you know you're at the downhill in yeah, lake louise yeah. This ain't gonna happen again. Stars, like, the stars were all aligned. They were, and I knew he was. And the free, you got the free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I couldn't believe it. I, I was nearly giving anyone wanted a ticket for the race, and nobody. Won. I was telling people in town there's tickets available. Eh. And I was like, if you were in Europe, you wouldn't get near these. Like, no, no, and they're free. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. So yeah, um, yeah, so that's my story. So um, excellent. I enjoyed that. He was known as the Herminator, which is a bit of a it's a bit of a, a bit of a crap nickname. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but you remember him anyway. So uh, yeah, I would like to say thank you so much for listening in, everyone. Um, it's there's a, there's there's a gazillion podcasts out there, and we're also on a YouTube channel now as well that Lars set up last week. That's so right. these, we're not like I don't know how entertaining they are looking at the two of us just chatting, but um, it, it'll give you a different kind of angle on things. 
Now, if you happen to look up episode four on YouTube, I want you to notice Larry's attempt at um, naturalizing his environment. He's he obviously he's seeing me with all the all the foliage here, and he said, "Hold on a minute, I'm gonna." And look, he has like a little little. It's probably plastic, isn't it? No, no, it's now it's not plastic, but it looks plastic. <laughs> It's but probably it's dead, it's, though. It's probably dead. It's a, it's a great effort, though. I mean, I have something similar just up the front here. It's not even in shot. I have so many. Uh, it's not even in shot there. It's like a so cactus. There's some type of cactus plant. Some type of cactus, yeah. A dangerous yolk. Yeah. So look at the... If, if you have a chance, it's towards the end of episode four, even if you don't want to look at the rest of it. But I would like to say thanks very much for listening and share with your friends and, and family if, 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 you're, if, uh, if you're enjoying them. And I would like to say I shall see you next week. Yeah, and I'll see you next week as well. And also just mention to to like if you could like if you watch it on YouTube to like the video, um put a little comment in underneath or if you're listening on the podcast to to rate the podcast oh. uh, minimum minimum five stars. Minimum. Okay, you see all this stuff, we're still quite new to all this stuff never had a youtube channel before this is brilliant um and a podcast i did have a couple of episodes of podcast a few years ago but yeah if you can like them rate them it all helps i think as far as i know but uh thanks very much and we shall see you in a few days for episode five